This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Happy Budget Day to you. Libby will be in later this afternoon to take part in Zuma Radio's coverage of the Liberals' federal budget. But will Canadians be paying attention to what is being offered in the federal budget? Or is the SNC-Lavalin scandal simply too much of a distraction? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. If you were listening to Bob Comsick's news, then you heard that the Liberal-dominated Justice Committee has wrapped up proceedings on the SNC-Lavalin affair in favour of studying hate crimes. Opposition MPs have been calling for the committee to recall former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould because they say Canadians need to hear more about the controversy. Add to this the resignation of Canada's top civil servant, Michael Wernick, and the appointment of Anne McClellan to help determine whether justice and attorney general should remain as one minister. What do you make of these developments? 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. I will put those questions to our guests, political strategist John Capobianco and Ali Salam. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Good to be here. Hi there. John, uh, let's start with Michael Wernick. Should we be suspicious of this retirement announcement, or is Wernick simply a principled public servant stepping down and doing the right thing? Well, no. I, I, think, I think this just adds to the whole uh, bad taste of this SNC-Lavalin affair. Um, you know, he's yet another key figure in this to, um, to either have to step down, resign, quit, whatever you want to call it, retire. But there's no question that it's a result of, of this issue. Um, nobody would have known, uh, the public would not have known uh, who uh, Mr. Warnick was or is um, if it wasn't for the fact that he made those two dreadful appearances at the committee, uh, which caused not only the opposition uh, parties to uh, to be up in arms about, about his comments, but Canadians uh, and the pundits and, and radio talk shows and, and the news just in general. You know, So um, I think there was no, no doubt, uh, even though the opposition parties were calling for his resignation and all calling him to step down because they had lost confidence. I think it was right for him to do that. I think him staying on would have caused problems, but I think it caused um, a significant issue with, with this affair because it just adds another very key and very senior figure who's left uh, their post because of this issue. But Ali, can, can the opposition MPs be upset that he has stepped down when that, in fact, is what they were calling for him to do? I'm sure they'll find a way, Jane. Um, but uh, but I w- what I would say is that uh, regardless of how you think Michael Warnick performed uh, during these committee hearings, um, his stated reason for leaving is, uh, is a principled one. I think with the specter of election interference being something that all sides are concerned about in our election this fall, um, having someone that the NDP and the Conservatives just did not have trust in uh, being the person to oversee that, uh, process uh, would have left some uncertainty in the minds of 
their supporters in the least and perhaps Canadians. And so taking this decision at this, at this time for that reason, I think, is a principled one, uh, regardless of how the committee hearings have played out. Let's review. Uh, I think his most infamous comment was when he said, I'm worried that somebody's going to be shot in this country this year during the political campaign. John, can you imagine what was going on behind the scenes when he said that? I mean, specifically uh, from the prime minister? Well, it would have made his head spin, and I think it made a lot of people's head, heads, a collective head spin, um, because it's, it's quite a statement to say, and, and to be in a position that he's in, uh, and, to, and to obviously have access to information that he no doubt had or has, um, uh, to make those comments makes one believe, okay, well, if you're hearing or if you're seeing information to that effect, and you're saying that publicly. It's one thing to be able to be behind closed doors and, and secrecy and in privacy and confidentiality with, with the, you know, a committee and you're studying this and you, you know, there are threats out there and you're aware of it and you're trying to do something quietly behind the scenes, um, you know, uh, to, to, you know, lay any concerns or to try to prevent anything from happening. That's one thing. But to sort of do that and, and say it at a, at a, you know, at a public hearing, uh, without any context or without any issue of okay, here's what we're going to do to try to prevent it, or here's what we're hearing, and here's what... it's it's just it, it, it's confounding. It, it 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 shakes. It, it just makes people think, what is he thinking? And I think that was the beginning of the end for him, um, because there was never any follow up to say, okay, well, what I meant to say was, or you know, there are threats. But people believe that you know, a person that that senior and that with that kind of information, there's no doubt something there. But what is it? And and how can you just leave that hanging? Now, a Trudeau spokesperson says the prime minister did not ask for Wernick's resignation. And in fact, they have replaced him with a man named Ian Shugart, the deputy minister of foreign affairs. I guess that the, there's the issue of the timing, Ali, and, and why, why yesterday and why not right away after he made those damaging comments? Well, we don't have the uh, we don't have the fortune of being able to look right into the uh, inner sanctum of uh, Michael Warnick's decision making process. But I think it is important that he outlined that he would be um, out of his role in time for uh, election 2019. Uh, I know with uh, with Ian Shugart, who I believe was a conservative political staffer in the uh, in the 1980s uh, before becoming a public servant. I think there's going to be um, a level of unassailability in terms of his uh, credentials in that regard and how. Um, you know, how that he can be seen to be truly impartial if, if it perhaps Mr. Warnick was not seen that way in some quarters. Um, in terms of the timing, of course, um, it is, you know, it, it is fortuitous that uh, it lines up with, uh, with a couple of other political events happening at this time uh, over the course of uh, this week. And, uh, and I think it's probably, um, you know, it, it's going to signal a shift in where this conversation goes, uh, quite frankly, whether or not Main Street is paying attention to this uh, issue any longer versus uh, the, you know, the goodies that we'll see in the budget this afternoon. I want to hear from you on this as well. Are you still feeling distracted by the SNC-Lavalin controversy, or are you genuinely interested to hear what's going to be in this afternoon's federal budget? 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Political strategists John Capobianco and Ali Salam on the line with us here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. John, maybe you can explain for us what exactly exactly is involved in being clerk of the Privy Council and why it is the highest ranking public service job in the country. Uh, sure, Jane. No, it is. Uh, it is a, it's, it's, it's the highest, um, I'd say, um, 
um, civil servant job uh, in Canada. There's no question, as as the clerk of the Privy Council, you run the bureaucracy that is the federal government. Um, and, you know, so deputy ministers of each of the departments report into the clerk of the Privy Council. Uh, you work uh, hand-in-glove with the prime minister's office um, and making sure that, that the prime minister's agenda um, is uh, is carried out and there's issues that uh, that the clerk of the Privy Council would, would deal with on a, on a daily basis uh, with the PMO, uh, the Prime Minister's Office, and with uh, his or her um, deputy ministers, um, and each of them have responsibilities for their respective ministries. So it is, a, it is a very senior job. And I must say, Mr. Warnick uh, certainly had the credentials. He was a 20-30 year civil servant, um, and I think that, you know, notwithstanding the fact that he, um, you know, announced his retirement um, under unfortunate circumstances, did serve, you know, the public well, as most civil servants do, uh, especially when you get to that position, because to get to be picked as a clerk of the Privy Council, you would have had to check a number of boxes, not least of which is, is years of experience and, and being able to to handle very complex uh, and uh, and quite frankly, quite, you know, quite you know, quite urgent issues that come up on the government on a day-to-day basis. Um, and uh, and he would have been one of the ones that would have been able to do that quite successfully over the years. Okay, thank you for that explanation. Before we talk about Anne McClellan and her appointment, let's go to the phones. Anthony in Niagara, what would you like to add to this? What are you feeling about where things are today with the scandal? Good afternoon. Well, about this Warnick guy, when he said something about... Uh assassinations, this and that. I only know that there's, what, 40? Trudeau's got 40 security people all around him and his family, so there must be something going on there. The budget that's going to happen today, forget about it. It's going to be all garbage just to get votes. That's the way I see it. And uh, the Liberals, what are they hiding? Well, the only thing left out right now is probably kickbacks. They probably got some kickbacks from uh, those general contractors, and that's what they're, they're trying to hide. I don't think there's anything else. That's all I see. All right. Well, thank you for your call, Anthony. Uh, Do you think, Ali, that that uh, skepticism exists uh, across the votership at this point? Well, I certainly would imagine that exists in the in the base voters for the two major opposition parties. I'm not sure that uh, that it's as pervasive as as perhaps uh, the caller would would have one believe. Um, I think at the end of the day, budgets are always designed to go after. Uh, votes. Um, it's kind of the nature of uh, representative democracy. And so and so we'll have to wait and see where that goes. I can't obviously speak to what the caller was mentioning about uh, about security concerns perhaps around Mr. Warnick. But to, to John's point earlier, I, I would say that Mr. Warnick himself, you know, with the highest security clearances in the land, uh, would, would be aware of the types of things that would perhaps, you know, inform the types of comments he made. But of course, as John said, the context was everything. And in this time, it was... Uh, it was not as contextual as, uh, as people perhaps would have hoped for. Okay, and McClellan, we knew on March 7th, Prime Minister Trudeau would be looking into dividing the roles of justice and attorney general. McClellan has done both. Uh, 20 years ago, she was uh, active in the Liberal Party as a cabinet minister, both the justice minister and the attorney general. But now the opposition MPs are saying, great, the Liberals are investigating the Liberals because she is still a very active member in the Liberal Party. So, John, what do you make of this? Uh, this is The Prime Minister is following through on what he said he was going to do, but was Anne McClellan the right choice? 
Well, and not to take away anything from Ms. McClellan, who is an accomplished political figure herself and served the Liberal government quite ably over the last number of years. But this is what makes my head shake. And I think that Canadians are asking themselves or scratching their heads saying, so you've just shut down the Justice Committee. You won't allow... Um, Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould to come back and 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 maybe answer some of the questions um, um, that that were brought up by not only Gerald Butts but by Mr. Warnick and and others uh, with respect to the time period where she was she was uh, switched in cabinet. Some will say demoted, but switched in cabinet from from Attorney General to uh, to uh, to a Veteran Affairs. Um, so the fact that they were shutting down the committee on the same day that they picked a liberal. Um, insider, ca- former cabinet minister, to to quote unquote have this independent research is is mind boggling. I just don't understand why they would do it in this way that sort of say, okay, well, you shut down the committee, you're not allowed to here to speak. Oh, and by the way, you're, you're appointing a liberal friend, as, as Andrew Shear said. Why? It's because Sheila Copps wasn't available. Yeah. Went to Dan McClellan, which I thought was quite funny. It but, is funny, but it, but, it, but it does speak to that whole issue of if you're truly trying to get to the bottom of this, you're doing it completely wrong. Well, and that begs the question, too, Ali. Do you, do you think the prime minister is really missing Gerald Butts by his side and as his confidant? You know, these types of decisions do sort of leave us shaking our heads, the timing of them and the substance of them. I mean, the one thing I'd say in regards to the uh, into the decision to have uh, Ms. McClellan uh, look into the separation of potentially the role of attorney general and minister of justice is that it's it's not as the opposition is characterizing it in some sort of uh, inquiry or uh, review of what's going on in relation to SNC-Lavalin specifically. It's really to look at whether or not this administrative function should be separated the way it is in, for example, the United Kingdom, uh, where these two roles are separate from one another. And so in that regard, I, I don't uh, agree with the characterization uh, as put forward by the opposition and, and as John has uh, put it forward. In regards to Gerald Butts, I mean, at the end of the day, he was the prime minister's chief advisor, and I really think that uh, losing people like that uh, always has an impact. Um, That said, he's still uh, surrounded by a number of uh, very qualified people, um, not the least among them Katie Telford, his chief of staff, who is... uh, who is, you know, I would I would argue, and based on my own experience in that government, uh, just as qualified as Mr. Butts to provide advice. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We certainly want you to weigh in on the latest developments in the SNC-Lavalin affair and whether it is just far too much of a distraction in light of what's coming down in the budget. Sorry, John, cut you off there. What did you want to say? No, and I I would agree with Ali. I I know Gerald and, and Katie uh, so so you know quite well, and and over the years, and and both are very highly qualified and and, and smart political people. Um, unfortunately, what happened with Gerald, but Gerald had to do what he what he felt he had to do. Um, but I think I think with Katie there, there's no question that she she'll serve the prime minister well. Um, but I just I just it's in general though I say this, and I think that um, you know it, it, optics and and public perception and politics is is you know is nine tenths of the game in some ways. So just some of the moves that they made with respect to the shutting down of the committee and, and electing and, and picking uh, Miss McClellan to do the, as Ali said, you know, but there's, you know, there's no, you know, you're going to do a review of whether or not the attorney general should should still be part of the 
uh, of the Minister of Justice, you know, portfolio in some cases. But there's no question there was a diversion to try to say, oh, we picked somebody to do something over here to try to, again, turn, turn the channel or, or get this off the radar. And I think what it's done is it caused more confusion, and it's caused the opposition to do what they're doing, which is basically to say, you know, they're, they're picking a liberal to look after liberal issues. And I think that's what the, what the liberals are facing as a problem. Well, you know what's interesting, uh, and I put this to both of you as well, normally the phones are ringing off the hook here at Zoomer Radio's Fight Back when we talk about the SNC-Lavalin controversy, but it's been dying down. The the enthusiasm or the passion against what's been happening has been dying down, and I'm wondering if that is the case today. You're not picking up and calling the way you normally would. Does that mean you're no longer concerned about this? Perhaps the, the Trudeau Liberals have it right that you feel that all the questions have been answered as a voter and there's nothing left to say. We've heard from Jody Wilson-Raybould. We've heard from those in the PMO. And perhaps you're satisfied as a voter. Is that how you're feeling? You've heard enough. You're good to go. We all move on from this scandal. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Ali, in terms of Anne McClellan, now we know, based on what she's been saying to certain reporters lately, that she is Trudeau-friendly when it comes to all of this. She talked about when she was the Justice Minister and the Attorney General that she was pushed hard to make certain decisions when she was in the role of AG in Justice, and she said that was just part of the way that it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, um, you know, where she stands on on the issue at hand, which is whether or not these two roles should be separated, which I I think ultimately is a bit of a policy question, not so much of a political one. Um, That said, of course, you know, no one's denying the fact that Ms. McClellan is a a proud liberal. um, And she's, you know, she's, I would say that she served the country honorably uh, in her time in cabinet, um, but also um, most recently as part of um, the group that was overseeing uh, the cannabis uh, legalization process that's occurred here in Canada. And so she's, uh, I think she's distinguished herself and is, I would argue, you know, beyond reproach in regards to the work that she is uh, being asked to consider at the time. The other thing I would add is, um, at the end of the day, Ms. Wilson-Raybould herself said that nothing illegal had occurred and that she was never directed. So, so I think that, that we're dealing with an issue here that perhaps has more um, legs from a partisan and political point of view than it actually does from a substantive point of view. Well, and that's what I was wondering when I heard Anne McClellan say that. Is that her way, John, of saying that Jody Wilson-Raybould didn't have enough backbone to deal with the pressure that was coming in from all sides? Well, I think it's going to get there. You know, we'll, we'll certainly see what, what, what comes out of this. But I think that's the intent. Um, is to say, you know, these things should have been, you know, should have been separated. Um, there was blurred lines that I think the minister, you know, didn't didn't appreciate or, um, you know, didn't didn't understand or or what have you. You know, some way of trying to trying to put the blame back on 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 Jody as they've been trying to do throughout the throughout the process. The the only challenge there is that um, Canadians have gotten to know Jody based on her testimony, and quite frankly, the vast majority of Canadians believed her uh, and. Believed Believe her and her side of the story, which is why you're seeing, you know, Mr. Warnick having to leave and others because, you know, there's, there's, you know, the attacks on her um, have been, have been, you know, oh, not attacks, I should say, but just the, the, the finger pointing that it's her fault and nobody else's. Uh, I think didn't sit well with Canadians. And I think to your earlier question, Jane, with respect to your, to your uh, listeners, with respect to 
issue. Is this issue dying down or not? I think just they're, they're fed up. I think there's a question of, you know what, they're just tired of seeing it. And no matter what Canadians or what the opposition say, the Liberals are going to do what they're going to do, uh, as we've seen. So they're, they're just fed up and moving on. And I, But I don't think this is going to settle um, with them in any way that, that just because they're not calling in or, or, you know, to your show or other shows, means that they're not interested or not frustrated with what's happened. Well, interestingly, as soon as I said that, the phone started ringing like crazy. <laughs> We're all booked up. So apparently you do care about the SNC-Lavalin scandal. And on the line with us, John Capabianco, Ali Salam, and Steve in Brampton. So you are not losing interest in this, Steve. Oh, no, no, I am certainly not. But, you know, I... I feel the same way about this government as I did about the wind government. And your, your commentator just hit it right on the, on the head. I was so, with the wind and McGinty government, I was so exhausted trying to drill down to anything resembling the truth that I just stopped spending energy on it, but I never forgot it. And I feel exactly the same way about this issue, this government, and you know, there was an author, I think it was Marie Angelou, Marie Angelou and she said this, and this is exactly Angelou, yeah. how I feel. She said, I might forget what you did. I might forget what you said, but I will never forget how you made me feel. And I feel like I've been manipulated, deceived, and I'm just outraged. And, and Steve, I are you... Forget, I can tell you. Are you confident that you will feel the same way come election time in oh, absolutely, October? Absolutely. Okay. I, I, you know, absolutely. And the budget today is a whole other thing. I won't take up two subjects, but I'm always weary about budget day, no matter who's in power, because I'm a big believer in balanced budgets. I think that you can, you, the people who are taxers and spenders will always find a reason to go into debt. There's always a, a, an argument for them to make. Uh, even Pierre, I remember Pierre saying, well, it's no big deal. It's Canadians borrowing from Canadians, which was a lie. And, you know, we, we'll always move the narrative and the goalposts down. If, if today, for example, they're saying it's okay because of our GDP ratio, then when the, if the economy takes a dump, then they'll say, well, we need to do it now because the economy is in recession. But there will always be a reason to be financially irresponsible in my opinion. All right, Steve, thanks for your comments. Let's move on to Catherine in Toronto. What do you think about the scandal? Does it still have weight amongst Canadians? Is that for me? Yes, it's for oh, you. Hi. Absolutely. Absolutely. I continue to believe uh, the former Attorney General. I'm hopping mad and disgusted at the behavior of the federal Liberals. I think if there was nothing to hide and no need for a cover-up, they would let her come back a second time as they let those two gentlemen come back. Uh, and, and I think the optics are terrible. The other thing, um, we've got a bunch of rats that are jumping the ship. And so whether you believe that there's a scandal or not, you have to step back and say, why are we seeing these large rats, two in particular that are males, jumping? And um, I also think for Mr. Wirt, part of the reason he's leaving is I think he's frightened. I watched him on his second, when he testified the second time. He was angry, and it hit me. I think he's angry because he's frightened, because there's talk about the RCMP investigation, and he mentioned that, and he mentioned he now had the lawyer. And I'll close it with another uh, Mary Angelou quote. When someone shows you who they really are, believe them. All right, Catherine, thank you for calling. Thank you.
Uh, before we go on to um, our other Zoomer radio listeners, uh, Ali, do you have some? Maya Angelou is getting <laughs> she's getting a lot yeah, of I traction mean, today. I think that's uh, I think that's fantastic. Yes. The more uh, Maya Angelou we can have on uh, on Zoomer and, and elsewhere, I think that's fantastic. Right. Um, responding to the two callers, I would say that um, I, I mean certainly I can hear the frustration in their voices, and I, I think the question though that ultimately has to be asked is. How much of a vote mover is this issue? Not the question of where people stand right now, but when they're faced with a choice of the ballot box in October, um, whether or not this is going to be a deciding factor for them versus, um, you know, issues around taxes, jobs, health care, um, all, all of the bread and butter issues that people most traditionally cast their votes on, and, uh, and whether or not this is going to uh, have an impact as, uh, as the opposition parties are hoping for. The thing I'd add to that simply is that there's been more transparency on this matter than there ever was in the Harper government under any, uh, in regards to any other cabinet issues. So we hopefully, uh, you know, we see that going forward no matter what. John Capobianco, what about that? What yeah. about the issues that are so important to Canadians and how by keeping this affair alive in the media or as part of the dialogue, we're not able to make headway on issues that we care about? Well, uh, you know, my good friend Ali is, is, makes some very some very good spin mo- notes there uh, with respect to his to his party, and and I give him full credit for that. But but let me let me address a couple of things. One, with respect to the Harper thing. So it's easy for the Liberals to be able to point their finger and say, well, the Harpers, you know, they didn't do this. But remember, you know, Justin Trudeau came in and campaigned on sunny ways on how he was going to change things and how things were different and how you know the bad Harper guys and how what they did was never going to be repeated here again. So it's 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 fun for them to be able to point and say, well, the Harper guys didn't do this, but they got elected, or they 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 went to Canadians on the promise of doing things differently, and they're not. And I think that's where people are going to get upset. And the two callers that you had, but one from Brampton, one from Toronto, and the other one from Niagara Falls, quite frankly, was indicative of the feeling. And that is, you know, when you get to a point, and this is where I'm saying that Ali might be right, where you know it's going to come down to the ballot box and ballot issues. But as you saw with Kathleen Wynne, you could spend you could try to spend your way out of trouble, as they've tried, they tried to do provincially in the last election. Uh, but voters at a certain point just say, you know what, you're not fooling me, enough's enough, you've lost me now, and you can't do anything with respect to what you're trying to do by way of spending your way out of it that's going to change my mind. It happened in Ontario in a huge way, and it's going to happen here federally, I think, and that's the problem that they're facing. Okay, Ali, I'll let you uh, have a rebuttal on the final comments, but I do want to get to everybody here before sure. we change topics. And talk about ageism. Let's go to Art in Milton. Hi, Art. You're with Jane and Ali and John here on Zoomer Radio. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Go ahead. Um, I have a quick question for your guests. Um, what the process would be to get the RCMP involved in this, because uh, the Liberals are obviously stonewalling it. And um, and I also, a second part is, would um, the Prime Minister be protected by attorney-client privilege if there was an RCMP investigation. Okay, who would like to take that? Um, I'm happy to, it's all okay. happy to go on that one, simply that uh, my understanding of the way these investigations would work would, would be that it would take someone to write to the RCMP and, and for them to believe that there is something worth investigating, and, and John can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and uh, the thing I will point out, though, is that beyond the Justice Committee hearings that uh, are now seemingly uh, beginning to wrap up, um, we've also got a conflict of interest in ethics commissioner investigation, uh, Mario Dion, uh, uh, a nonpartisan who's in that role, um, is, uh, is investigating the matter. And so there is that also going on. And so I don't, and, and, and there's been no, uh, 
there's been nothing uh, to indicate that that won't be seeing its uh, its due course. Um, and so I, I would say that uh, I think both of those things are a factor in terms of uh, I'm not a lawyer myself, but I would imagine that uh, um, anyone has the right to have uh, you know solicitor client privilege, whether they're the prime minister or yourself or myself. And so I imagine that would certainly apply in these cases. Okay, John, your final comments, and then we'll get to William in Toronto before we uh, move on to our discussion on ageism and what you can do to fight that if you're working into your older years. Go ahead. Uh, I think Ali is right with respect to the RCMP question that your caller had. With respect, and I know that uh, certainly um, Jagmeet Singh has called for a public inquiry, and I think um, um, Andrew Shear has called for an RCMP inquiry and, and sent a letter to that effect, um, looking for uh, for one. And of course, the RCMP will never let you know if there's an investigation happening at some point, because they'll just do their their own internal investigation to see if there's actually anything worth worth investigating. So I think that's an ongoing thing. Um, but but I do believe though, um, you know. Know, with respect to just in general, this is the kind of issue that I think people will just, you know, will not forget. And I think that as much as, as the budget and other things are going to try to get in its way, um, you're hearing from your callers. They're not going to get fooled by it. And I think this is going to be a problem as, as they move forward in, in, in the next little bit because it's got to be resolved one way or the other. And you've left, you know, five key individuals or more have left their positions because of it. That's not insignificant. All right, William in Toronto, you have the final word. Go ahead. Uh, hi, Jane. Uh, um, I, I don't think I have to call in every day. I have to listen every day okay. in, in regards to your comments that yes. you said, because there's a lot of information here in one hour that you can get listening all day anywhere else in mainstream media. So this is a good program for a lot of information. I will so, pass along um, your comments to Libby. Thank you. Yeah, and, um, and, and as far as uh, Mr. Trudeau is concerned, He's an incompetent Manchurian candidate on mind control drugs, and he won't like my uh, decision when I speak out on uh, on election day. That's when my voice really counts. Okay, well, um, it's opinion-based radio. I asked you for your comments, and there it is. Uh, I thank our political strategists, John Capobianco and Ali Salam, for your time today. We'll we'll be chatting again, I'm sure, many times before the election. Thanks, Jane. Thanks so thank Jane. you both. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.